Let's turn to the Word of God then, please. The Word of God this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're just going to lift two verses out of Deuteronomy 31. And strange because when I set to write this, uh, these scriptures had been confirmed to me actually twice. Twice after I had written this, the scriptures had been confirmed to me twice. So our, our brother Glenn McMurray, Elder Glenn McMurray, when he was uh, bringing the study for us on Thursday evening, mentioned and quoted from these scriptures. And I thought, well, there's a, a good confirmation for me, praise God. And then uh, another uh, person I know from the States happened to quote this to me as well. And of course, it was just wonderful. There was a, a double confirmation for me. So I'm just making while you uh, get to Deuteronomy 31, just two verses, verse 7 and verse 8. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto a land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Let's just bow again in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your written word. We thank you, Lord, your word is faithful. We thank you, Lord, your word is sure and steadfast. And we thank you, Lord, your word is as an anchor of the soul. We thank you, Lord, your word is forever settled in heaven, and it shall not return unto you void. And we thank you, Lord, though all others and all else will fail, yet your word will remain sure. And we thank you for everything that you are and everything you've done for us. Father, bless your people as we open your word to them this morning. Even, Lord, would you convict those who do not know you? Would you draw them? And we pray, Father, that your name would be glorified. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. This morning the title is The Will and the Work in the Call of God. The Will and the Work in the Call of God. Now when we talk about the will and the work in the call of God, I'm not just speaking about pastoral work, but it could be youth Children's meetings, it could be standing at the door, shaking hands and welcoming, whatever the Lord has put, wherever the Lord has put you. It could be uh, using cameras as Andrew's five faithfully every week, has been working hard week after week to put all this stuff online for us and making sure everything's uh, good and turning up to record me and all of these things. But it's the, the will and the work in the call of God. So even just your general and daily uh, walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So just put it personally to yourself. And as this is uh, uh, Christ Encounters Tabernacle third anniversary, I was thinking about these things, and the Lord is blessed, and there's so many departments from, from babies in the Thursday to Sunday, Friday night children to youth to um, youth groups within the church. You know, we, we go on to the handfuls of purpose. They're working throughout this COVID. They're working so hard and doing things and helping out in nursing homes and hospitals and so on and so on. And I would forget someone, you know, and then there's the people who come and make sure we're fed even every Sunday and, and we, we have our, our tea and whatever. You know, everything comes together and no one in here, or no one should be in the body of Christ, even thinking there's no call for them or there's no work for them to do. For everyone who is in Christ has a calling and has a work in the will of God. But everything we say is, it sounds good. When a missionary comes from foreign lands and people sitting here, it's all flowers and it's all great stuff. Sometimes they tell of a, a little bit of troubled time but here's what the Lord has done. And that's fantastic. That's a great blessing. But what we must remember is that we aren't there at that moment in time and the hardship that goes behind things. It's the same in, now, in the church here in Northern Ireland or wherever you are. It's the same in, in service where you are. It could be the same in your life where you are. There's things that people don't know of and everything seems glorious and good 
And the Lord is worth all of it. But there's, there's a battle that's went on to get where you are. So some people think when the Lord gives you a task to do, there's no problems that can come with that same task. And some people think if they're doing the work of God, then there's nothing that can ever go wrong in their time of labor for God. And some people think if you're in the will of God, then there's nothing, there's not a single stress that can come to you because obviously you're in God's will. It must be plain sailing. Some people believe when, you're, when you've answered the call of God, then none can come against you, nothing can harm you, and no one can hinder you. Well, sometimes, you see, we see certain preachers, pastors, whatever, and they're preaching and it's as if they float on a cloud and it's as if they're untouchable and there's nothing, as no stresses went behind. And, and they give that facade. And sometimes leaders need to be strong to do that. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes they give it as if nothing comes near me and there's no stresses and strains. And people wonder, well, why is my life not like that? And it discourages them because they're never like that. I want to tell you that in the work of God and in the will of God and the call of God, there's going to be stresses and strains. Ask Abraham, who was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees. Ask him whenever he was in danger for his life over Sarah. Ask him whenever he was in battles with the five kings over Lot. Ask him about the things that, uh, that, that he was troubled with and that the, the very, even the very testings of his faith to go take his son, his only son Isaac, whom he loved, and offer him up on Mount Moriah. You know, we can think of Isaac. We can think of Isaac and his problems with Jacob and Esau. We could think, we could think of Jacob and Esau's problems with Esau and Laban. And yet the blessings that he's had seeing the Lord and that great story, using the stone for the pillow, uh, the pillar stone. And, uh, and we, could, we could think of all those glorious things, but look at what was behind the life. And yes, God was faithful. And yes, God was good. But there's always opposition. There's always opposition. We could ask the apostles. We could ask the prophets. We could ask King David, who was on the run from King Saul when he was young. And then as he was a king, he was on the run from his own son, Absalom. And read the Psalms and you see the problems that were behind. And that's the wonderful, the wonderful thing about the reality and the openness of the scripture, that it isn't all plain sailing. People think you come to Jesus and we hear it all the time. Your life for a better life, you come to Jesus and it's all happening now. Well, I can tell you from when I came to Jesus, I entered a war and I entered a battle. And all I can say is that we must press on in the name of the Lord. Ask the apostles. Ask what happened to them when the Lord had left and then ascended and then poured out his spirit. Ask about the trials. Ask the apostle Paul about the persecution of the Jews and then being beheaded by the Romans. And ask the Lord Jesus himself. All the miracles he did, all the wonders he did. In fact, John tells us if they were written in, the book, in, a book, in books, the word couldn't hold all the books because of the miracles that he did. So what we know and what we are given is in the scripture, but there's so many more that aren't documented. But ask the Lord Jesus about the, the hounding that he had and this, ask him about the people who came to try and seek his life. It's never plain sailing. So some people think that there's no problems and there's no stresses and there's, uh, there's nothing can go wrong when you're in the will and the work of God. And, you know, even in, say, 10, three years, we have seen God bless. I, I, I've lost count the number of baptisms we have done over the last three years. I've lost count of the number of people who have got saved and, uh, and filled with the Spirit. And I've lost count of even the healings that the Lord has done. He's done many in our midst. And, and the Lord has blessed and added to where we were, we were worshipping with a, a full church. And that's not a boast. That's what God has done. All of the departments and all the outreach and people outreaching, evangelizing in the streets. and It's just tremendous. Absolutely tremendous what God has done. But behind the scenes in each person, in each department, they've all had their trouble. They've all had their stress. They've all had their trial. They've all had their temptations. And they've had to dig deep as well 
as Andrew and the camera at the back, Andrew's an elder, the camera at the back, and as well as our other elder, Glenn, and others, we've all had periods and seasons and times, and sometimes continuously, where there's been a pressing in, having to dig deep, having to trust God, even for things that were financial. And so we find here that people tend to give, have this idea that everything is perfect, and they are perfect, the world is perfect, the church is perfect, and there's no problems. I personally have found this thinking to be fanciful and foolish. When God called me unto salvation in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, I fully understood my desperate condition, the desperate condition of my soul, and where I would end up in the damnation of a devil's hell. I fully understood where my real self, my real life was headed without a saviour, without the saviour, the only saviour. But God didn't call me to go to hell. God called me to go to heaven. God called me into his kingdom. That's what I'm saying. I was already going on a broad road to destruction. I was already walking down that road of damnation. But it was God who called me off it. It was all of him and none of myself. Everything was off the Lord. But when he called me, he didn't call me to go and live my life how I liked. And he didn't call me to go and live my life in the world. And he didn't call me to go and sin with importunity. He didn't call me to go and walk in an open course of sin and to call myself a Christian. He called me on the holiness. He called me on the sanctification. And he's still working in me. He's still working in me. I'm not perfectly sinless. I'm not sinless. But at times we can't sin less. We are men and women whom God is working in. And whom God is working on. Notice, when God called me on to salvation, he brought me to the cross through his spirit. I beheld his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blood that he shed. And there I was saved and I was redeemed. There I was bought with the precious blood. So when God called me, he called me on to salvation. God gave me a task. He gave me a purpose and he gave me a reason to go on living a new life for him. A new creature with a new life. And God sent me into the harvest field. He sent me into the vineyard. He sent me to work and labor for his glory. God showed me his will. He showed me his will, which was on almost, notice he showed me his will, which was on almost every single occasion. God showed me his will, and it was almost on every occasion against my will. It was against my will. But my will had to go that his will would be done. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said on the cost of discipleship, he said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Brother, sister, when Christ has called you, He called you not to live life how you want to live, nor I wanted to live. He called us to come and die. That is, die to self. When God called me, he gave me, he sent me, and he showed me. And I soon learned, and I'm still learning, that for Christ to live in me, for Christ to be glorified in me, for Christ to be exalted in me, for Christ to use me fully and to a better capacity, then Ken must die that Christ might live in me. For example, John chapter 3 and verse 30. John the Baptist said of the Lord Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. Listen to Paul. He says, they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, crucifying the flesh with the affections and lusts. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, 
Listen to the apostle again. He says, the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Can I ask you, brother, is the world crucified unto you? And are you crucified unto the world? Is the world crucified unto you? And are you crucified unto the world? In other words, sister, are we living for Christ? Is it his will, not ours? Is it his work to be done, not mine or yours? Is it his call is it not, or our lifestyle, what we want? So is the world crucified unto you? And are you crucified unto the world? Paul says in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how we should be living for God. So this life isn't all plain sailing. The Christian life isn't without its problems and without its stresses. Notice here, the Christians walk, the Christians call to service and work in the will of God is definitely not without its troubles or oppositions. Notice, the Lord Jesus Christ never promised a carefree life. The Lord Jesus Christ never promised a carefree life But the Lord Jesus Christ did promise that he'd be with us throughout that life. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Even in our reading in Deuteronomy 31 and verse 8, it says, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. There's times that come to us that can be uh, anxious times and worrying times and stressful times and fretful times, even times of mourning and sadness and terribleness and bitterness. And we we go through them, times of illness and times of all, all manners of times. But notice this, David says, my times are in his hands. And so your time, Christian, your times, the seasons and the periods and the times that you go through, or maybe you're in at this moment, this COVID time, it's, you're not in COVID's hands. And listen, you're still not in the government's hands. You're in the Lord's hands. That he is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That he is still God over all. That he is still the returning one. And that he is the one who says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And that you are his. Too many Christians are being too negative at this time. And rather than looking at the Lord and reading his word, they're too fixated upon the things that are happening on the earth. Brothers and sisters, get into the word and see what God says about yourself. And notice this. He says, I'll not leave you and I won't forsake you. Listen to what Peter says for those of you who are caring. Notice 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. The word casting here gives the idea of a fisherman when he had his net at the side of the boat, and he cast it, and it spread out, went into the sea to catch the fish. It's the same word, he says, take it like the net. Here's your cares. Here's your worries. Here's your frettings. Here's your fears. Here's your anxieties. Here's all of it. Take it all and bring it together and say, Lord, I can't handle it. It's pulling me down. It's dragging me down. It's overwhelming me. I'm casting it on you. Cast it upon him for his shoulders are bigger. They are wider and they are greater. And you'll find their rest is waiting for your soul. Here, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, John 16 and verse 33. In the world ye shall have tribulation. That's what Jesus said to his apostles. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Now if he had left us there, we could have had a bit of worry, a bit of anxiety. We could have been a bit afraid. uh, And we could have said, well, Lord, what are we going to do? We're petrified of this world. 
He says, you're going to have tribulation in the world. But he didn't leave us there. He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, you're going to go through this. You're going to feel it. And you're going to experience it. But you're in me and I'm in you. I'm with you and I won't leave you. I have overcome all of this. And he is still God upon the throne. He is still King of kings and Lord of lords. You think to hear some people that Jesus had died and went to the tomb and he hasn't risen again from the dead. The Christ that I serve rose again on the third day. The Christ that I serve ascended into glory. The Christ that I serve is sitting in the place of power and authority. For he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. It's not given to the elitists. It's not given to the, the new world order or the one world government and all of these things. And I know all those things exist, so please don't get me wrong. It isn't given to them. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. And on earth. Christian, let's remember this. Let's remember this in a world of negativity, in a place of darkness and doom and gloom. Let us remember that our God reigns. And he is still upon the throne. So notice, Alexander McLaren, he was a young man. He was in his, I think about his 30s when he passed away. But he was a tremendous preacher. And listen to what he says. Each of us may be sure that if God sends us on stony paths, he will provide us with strong shoes. And he will not send us out on any journey for which he does not equip us well. I want you to get this. I thought it was tremendous. Each of us may be sure that if God sends us on stony paths, he will provide us with strong shoes, and he will not send us out on any journey for which he does not equip us well. When God called you, and you entered into his will, and you were called by his Spirit, and when he awakened you and quickened you and you repented of your sin, when he gave you that repentance unto life and faith to believe, when you cried upon the Savior, you became his and he will not let you go. When he sends you out, you're not without tribulation or trial nor even temptation or trouble, but he says that he will equip you. He will be with you, neither to leave you nor forsake you. God's call on the salvation is God's will. For those he calls, it's his will. God's call into service is God's will. God's call for sacrifice is in his word. And God's word is God's will. God's word is God's will. The will of God is not a place I want to be in the will of God. It's as though he takes us and he sets us, for example, in CET here, as though he set us here. Yes, that's in the will, but that's not the place. God's will, the will of God is not a place. God's will is not a season or even a position. God's will is a condition. It's a condition. It's the condition of the heart the dying of self, that Christ might live. It's the word of God, the living, the surrendering of self. And the rest all comes after. It's a condition. I have found personally, I have found personally that the calling to the will and to the work of God is the greatest privilege. And it's the highest honor a soul could ever receive. But without its battles, it is definitely not. Without its battles, it is definitely not. We have had blessing, tremendous blessing here. It's the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes, but I can tell you, it's not been without its battles. It's not been without its battles. It's not been without its hardships. It's not been without its laborings. It's not been without its trials. It's not been without having to dig deep to press on. And yes, even when fear comes to try and speak to your mind, having to, to keep your mind fixed on Christ, focused on the Word, and keep going on in God, to keep going on. 
And God was with us every step of the way. Hudson Taylor once said, there are three stages in the work of God. There are three stages in the work of God. Impossible, difficult, done. There are three stages in the work of God. Impossible, difficult, done. Many people are at the position of impossible, 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 impossible. Some have moved on to see God working because they have pressed on and they've found difficult, still difficult, it's difficult. And others have seen God's blessing at the end of it, perseverance in it, and they've seen it done. Impossible, difficult, done. And wherever you are, whatever place you're in, whatever part of that journey and season you are, impossible, difficult, it's done. God's will will be done. Notice, brothers and sisters, let us never forget, it's not our working, but it's his working through us. Let us not forget it's not our strength, but it's his strength within us. Let us not forget It's not our will, but Lord, thy will be done. When we persevere, remember this, when we persevere and it's so hard and Lord, I cannot take no more and suddenly you find that you've reached another moment, another hour, another minute, another day, another week and you've passed from the impossibility to the difficulty to eventually the done, and you find that, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't go anymore, but you've persevered through it. You'll find it's the preservation of the Spirit in you. You'll find it's the preservation of the Holy Ghost in you who has brought you thus far, has kept you in the will of the Father, and has not only done that, but also that he has brought you to the place where you can look back and see the glory of God. You see the work of God done and you wonder how it ever happened because he has done it all. He has done it all. Friends, we make, mis- we make mistakes and we mess up. I remember when my girls were just wee totes and I was painting a wall. Very rare occasion I would paint, but I was painting a wall in the kitchen and here I was trying to do it and I was not... Great at it myself, but it was rollering at the wall. And I remember they were in, and they were in the paint with the brushes, and Ellie could hardly stand at the time. And Jody was a couple of years older, but really, really small. And here's these wee brushes, and Jody painted, and, and Ellie painted what she could do. She could hardly hold the brush. And I remember the brush was all strokes all over the place, and it dripped all over. And I looked down at my feet, and I had rollered down, and there's all this mess on the wall. and I rolled it over and she went, Daddy, look. And I went, isn't that great, love? Isn't that great, dear? And I rolled right down and I covered the whole wall, covered over the whole mess that Jody and Ali had made and I rolled right down to the bottom of it. And when it was finished, we stood back and I took their hands and I says, look at the great job we've done. And they said, Daddy, i done that. That's our father and the mess that we make, he rollers over that. And he uses us in that. But you must put legs to your prayers. You must put hands to your worship. And you must persevere, brother. Persevere, sister. Deuteronomy 31, Moses says to Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. Be strong, brother, and of a good courage. Be strong, sister, and of a good courage. Friend, be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage because you're going to get through this. Be strong and of a good courage because this is going to pass. Be strong and of a good courage because you may be at the place of impossible, but God is going to bring you through that stage that you're in, even the stage of difficult. Be strong and of a good courage because you'll come to the stage of done, where you've seen it done. The wall has been rollered, the mistakes that you've made, and yet you've labored for the glory of God. He's going to cover that and you're going to step back at the end of it all and we'll say, look what the Lord has done. This is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes and for some reason, he uses men and women 
who are redeemed to carry out his purpose. And even in our weakness, remember he is always, always strong. Be strong and of a good courage, Deuteronomy 31 and verse 7. Joshua gets a confirmation, just like I did with this word. Joshua gets a confirmation, Joshua chapter 1. God says, Moses said in Deuteronomy 31, be strong and of good courage. But now the Lord says unto him, in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6, be strong and of a good courage. See, I would just bring it right back to Moses, or pardon me, Joshua's memory of Moses. Be strong and of a good courage. See, Joshua, you're going to go to a place where you've never been before. You're going to take this people further on where they've never been before. You're going to go into a place, into a season, into a, a, into a land where you've never touched your feet before. But be strong and of a good courage because I'm with you. And brothers and sisters, maybe God's saying that to you now. Be strong and of a good courage because I'm with you. You've been, have never been this way before. You haven't passed this way before. You haven't been through this trial before. You haven't seen this before or heard this before. But you haven't even, you haven't even known this thing existed before. You find yourself in, this, in a season and in a place, even in an illness. But God says, be strong and of a good courage. You haven't been this way before, but I, the Lord, will go before you. I'll make a path. I'll make it plain. I'll make it straight. He makes, he makes roadways in the desert. He makes roadways in the wilderness. And the Lord will go before you. That's what he says in Deuteronomy 31 and 8. The Lord, and the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. And even as uh, our brother Glenn mentioned on Tuesday night, and he said about the three Hebrew children in the fire, and the fourth man was like unto the Son of God. And there was the Lord in the fire with them. There was no smoke on them, nor uh, no smell of smoke or even any. They weren't burnt in the fire. And he talked about that. And, and the thing is, the Lord says, I'm with you. I'm with you in the fire. I'm with you through the flood. I'm with you. The waters won't overflow you. You won't be drowned. You're going to go through. It's like the disciples on the ship that go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They couldn't have drowned for Jesus says, get into the boat and go to the other side. It's the faith of knowing, Lord, you've said it. That settles it, so I'll believe it. Lord, you've said it. That settles it. I'll believe it. Take it in and walk in it. Run with it and persevere through it. Notice the Lord says in Joshua 1 and 6, be strong and of a good courage. Then he says in Joshua 1 and 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous. Here the Lord is really pressing it into Joshua. You're going to have to dig deep, Joshua. You're really going to have to dig deep for this. Christian, sometimes you just have to dig deep. Sometimes you have to really, as it were, get the spade work out and dig in. You have to get the bunker built and you have to say, I'm here until uh, the, the charge is made that we go over the top again. You have to dig deep. You have to go on with God. You have to keep serving and you have to keep trusting. You can't just drop it and run and leave it, but rather you must hold on to it and go with it because God has went before you and God is already sorting things out that you don't know. He's bringing people along who you're going to bump into, you're going to meet. They'll give you a word in season. They're going to say something that will strengthen you and encourage you and bless you and help you and instruct you. And when you get there, God is making the way that you'll be able to walk through and walk in his will dig deep only be thou strong and very courageous and then again in Joshua 1 and verse 9 have not I commanded thee it's as though the Lord has now given him a military snap here, attention in other words, have not I commanded thee come on, pull your socks up man dig deep brother dig deep sister, that's what he's doing have not I commanded thee? Wow, Lord. You've no faith in me, he says. Dig in. Dig deep. Press on. And go on with God, brother. Go on with God, sister. Here we find, here we find, the Lord says, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, 
Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now that one verse reminds me of something very personal. I'll share it with you. When my father was in the hospice, and he was dying, and there was a, a, a wonderfully saved minister, Presbyterian minister, Samuel Newell, and he came up and he was very attentive to my father. And he came up and he, he, he left a little card. He'd read the word he would have prayed with my dad and uh, my father. And, and he left a, a little card. And I remember my dad had it in a little drawer beside the bed. And he would have took it out and he read it. And it was Joshua 1 in verse 9. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The Lord was with him when he went through the veil of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget and I said to my own dad, are you afraid? He says, no, for I know he's with me. I know he's with me. And I must admit, maybe I'm a little biased. But he was a man who died with great dignity. And the fact that it was death wasn't nice, the pain of it. But how he, as a young Christian, he believed like a child with childlike faith, he's with me. Problem is, older believer, problem is we stray. And then we wonder, are you still there, Lord? It's not about you. It doesn't rest on you. But it all lies and rests upon Christ and who he is. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 3, Timothy is told from Paul, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure it. Endure it, brother, sister. Verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. He's chosen him to be a soldier. He's chosen her to be a soldier. He says, and you don't war or entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. You're getting caught up too much with the worry of fake news and all of the stuff that's on out there. And you're being entangled. You're being entrapped and you're being overwhelmed by it all. And I'm hearing from you on a regular basis about it. Listen, brothers and sisters, stop entangling yourselves with it and get on with Serving the Lord. Stop entangling yourselves with it. It's starting to wrap like seaweed around your mind. It's drowning many. Start looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Notice Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. It says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And even when we come back in the Lord, Lord's will, when we get back and we're worshiping here, you're not serving men. We're serving God. We serve one another with love and care. Of course we do, but we're serving God. Paul says, don't serve for men, but serve the Lord. Notice, if you serve for money, then your service will end when the money stops. If you serve for position, then your service will end when the position goes to another. I've seen it many times. People thinking I'm next in line and because they didn't get it and the Lord chose someone else and brought them into that. God has something else for that person. Not for this, but they just they went, I don't want any more of this. And they've walked away, not only from church, they've maybe walked away from the Lord. If we serve for the love of the pastor... And I appreciate the care and I appreciate the, 
the love you have for me and I for you. But if you serve for the love of the pastor, then when service will, the service will end when the pastor fails your expectations. If you serve, then serve the Lord for who he is. And if you serve, serve the Lord for all he's done. And if you serve him, serve him because you love him. For he first loved you. Psalm 2 and verse 1 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Psalm 100 and verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Come, sing when you come into his presence. Worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness and sing in his presence in the dark times, in the troublesome times, in the worrying times, and all of this time and all that's going on. Keep praising God. Keep looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher or the perfecter of your faith and, and come before him with singing. Fear him. In other words, have reverence and respect that he is God. And rejoice before him that you're saved. Rejoice before him. Tremble in his presence. When you get to know the holiness of God, you'll understand the grace of God for none of us would be able to stand without his grace. Listen, Puritan John Owen. Puritan John Owen. He wrote this, God hath work to do in this world and to desert it because of its difficulties and entanglements is to cast off his authority. It is not enough that we be just, that we be righteous and walk with God in holiness, but we must also serve our generation as David did before he fell asleep. If we just say, I've had enough without finding God's will and and if God's called you to something and you just can't say, ah, I'm tired and I've had enough, you must dig deep, brothers and sisters. You must dig deep. You know, you can say to me, Pastor, have you ever felt like leaving the ministry? And I have to be honest with you and say, yes, a million times. A million, million times. I felt like packing it in and taking a back seat and just worshiping the Lord. Felt like it a million times. But it's his will, not mine. It's his work, not mine. It's his service, not mine, to serve myself. You know, I was brought into ministry through Pastor James McConnell, saved under his ministry, baptized in water on the spirit, under his ministry, put into full-time ministry, under his ministry 21 years ago. Went to be a missionary in Romania. And I've seen God bless, seen God move there, seen God do fantastic things. But I can tell you, what a learning curve. What a learning curve. It's not all glory. It's not all wonderful, must be great to be up there preaching and everything's fine. What a learning curve it was. Horrific times, terrible times. Never want to experience the times again, but yet they were vital for what God had for me ahead. Went to Dublin and served in Dublin. Some of them watched us faithfully. God bless you. I'm sure you are watching again this morning. And I've seen God move and real blessing. Real blessing there. And the people who gathered around us. We had some wonderful, wonderful people. But I can tell you, I had to dig deep on many a time. I had to dig deep until God told me to move. I had to dig deep for I thought I wasn't going to make it for the years that I was there. And I can tell you something else. I remember walking up through a Dublin street one day and going up towards the church. It was a Tuesday night. And a man comes out of this dark alleyway and tells me that I'm on a murder list. They wanted me dead. And I had to go and take a meeting after that. And I had to turn up on Sunday morning not knowing if someone was waiting for me or not. I had to turn up every week waiting. Was this my time? But I can tell you, friend, God went before me. And God has kept me. 
You must dig deep. You must go on with God. You cannot just drop it and leave it. If it's God's will and God's word and it's God's work, then you must continue on in it. Pastor McConnell, I'm going to quote him a couple of times here as I finish. Pastor McConnell is uh, my pastor. I love him. He was to be here today to bring the word, but unfortunately with this COVID, so I'm going to bring a few quotations from him, uh, from his book, McConnellisms. He said simply one time, God's call will disrupt your life. God's call will disrupt your life. God's call to salvation disrupts your life in the sense your old life has to be left behind. The old friends, the old drinking bodies must be left behind. God's call will disrupt your life. He also said one time, some people cannot walk away. Their commitment is born out of a cause. They are called to help you because you are called. And I can say this, and I'm not saying this to embarrass, but we have people in here, and I know God has called me. I know where I am. I know I'm meant to be where I'm meant to be. And until I could be here for another day or another 40 years, I don't know. But I know I am where God has wanted me to be. And I can tell you, God has brought men and women in here, like the man at the back, Andrew Steele, and and Glenn McMurray, I could go on through. I don't want to miss anyone, but that's the elders. are just bringing those in. And God has brought them alongside because I've been called to here. God has called them to there, and they minister where God has called them. The ones at the door and the ones in the youth and the ones in the children's ministries and the toddler's group and, uh, and the ones that are going out and, uh, and evangelizing, the ones who are cleaning the place, the ones who are making the food and, uh, and serving us every week and the musicians and the singers and, uh, and all those with gifts and talents. And I could go on and on. With, I'd be afraid of missing someone out. But God has called them. We're all together in this because God had called us together, has built up this work. It's fitly framed together and we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, not the building. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple. We're lively stones and we're fitly framed together. And so we just can't drop it. We can't drop it like a hot potato. And God says those who are called cannot walk away. Their commitment is born out of a cause. They are called to help you because you are called. So thank you for your help. Listen to the Lord Jesus, Matthew 16 and 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's not, it's not about me, me, me. It's about die, die, die to self and live, live, live for Christ. Take up your cross and follow me. Notice verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Living for Christ is, li- is living in Christ and it brings life. Not only eternal life, but it brings life. You see, take up your cross is not for salvation. Christ took up the cross for our salvation. When you take up your cross, our cross, as it were, is for sanctification and his cross is for our salvation. Again, I'm going to quote... My old pastor, Pastor McConnell, he said, we are not to suppose that a faithful ministry is an easy task. No man can continually rebuke his age and yet be living a luxurious life unless he indeed is the victim of hypocrisy or the tool of vicious hallucination. The prophets of the Lord have always been opposed to the age in which they lived. Whenever the ministry has fallen into accord with the age, it is not the age that has gone up, it is the ministry that has gone down. Brothers and sisters, members, friends, those who watch us faithfully and follow us online, may CET never stop crying against the age, the spirit of this age, and may we be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Some scriptures as I close. Hebrews 12 and 1. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Ephesians 6 and 10. 
Let us be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Romans 8 and 37. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 1 John 4 and 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Daniel 11 and 32. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Colossians 1 and 27 is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Isaiah 41 and verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Brothers and sisters, Moses said to Joshua, and he said to be of a good courage, strong and of a good courage. Then he said in verse 8, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Thank you for your help in the ministry for three years. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for standing in the gospel and in the faith with us. And we'll stand together. We will be together. Let's hold on and let's be strong for the glory of his own name. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the continuing of your spirit in our lives, the preservation and the perseverance of the saints. We thank you, Lord, that you are still on the throne and, Lord, that you are returning, Lord Jesus, and you are coming, King of kings and Lord of lords. And every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so, Father, to that end, we ask you, Lord, for all who are watching, will you bless them and encourage them, strengthen them, heal where healing is needed, Lord. And, Lord, we pray, Lord, that our lives would be a life yielded unto thee, to the glory of thy name. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Amen.